to JCB Art Studio Season 5. My name is Joanna. I am the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child for first-time listeners. I haven't spoken with a writer, with an author, about short stories in a long time. And so then today, that's that's what I'm doing. I get I have the pleasure to intru- um, interview Ling Yi. Okay, now Ling is a Pushcart nominee who studies creative writing and works at as, as a statistician in Toronto. Her literary work includes a combination of Eastern and Western styles. Her work has appeared in the Spadina Literary Review, Ribbons, the Rising Phoenix Review, and the Wales Haiku Journal. And today, we're going to talk about Ling's writing life, her short story, She Left As If She Never Came, which I was reading it and I was just glued to the story to find out what was going to happen at the end. And Ling's short story, She Left As If She Never Came, can be found online at Rice Paper Magazine. Ling, welcome. Thank you, Joanna. It's my honor to be here. Thank you. So Ling and I have met and correspond and have had discussions through the writing studio. And I'm really glad, I'm really glad we for that discussion panel, because you get to learn about, you know, the other students in the writing studio. So, Lynn, can you please tell us first, and this was the first I heard of this, about being a Pushcart nominee, and what is the Pushcart Prize? Sure. Um, the Pushcart Prize is an American literary prize. Uh, it started in 1976. Uh, each year, um, I think there are more than 1,000 uh, short story um, poetry entries. Um, so I had a very difficult start um, here in Canada as an immigrant. I, I came here as a teenager in 2007, and I was afraid of speaking English. I was afraid of writing English, and I had like unprofessional teachers uh, in the beginning. Uh, so I um, I didn't take any courses I liked during university, and I took my first creative writing course after I got my first uh, stable job in 2019, and then I published my first short story in 2020. I was surprised that it was nominated for the Pushcart Prize. I think it was a very important milestone. I think I learned that um, as long as I keep writing, my work can be recognized by publishers and readers. So it was also a very encouraging milestone. Excellent. Okay. Now, can you also tell us, Mm. actually, hold on, before we go on to about the Rice Paper Magazine, Mm -hmm. Pushcart, to be a Pushcart nominee, it's Mm. not like you as the author can put your, your story forward. Like it is your, it's your, how do I say it? Other publishing journals? Yeah, it's, that, yeah. That it's a publisher's decision. Yeah. 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 yeah, like every year they select six uh, stories and poems that they they liked. So, and my um, my story, my first published story was one of their six choices. 
in 2020. Yeah. Um, it was surprising. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it shows you're on the right path, right? Yeah. Like you said, as long as you keep writing, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, Price Paper Magazine, tell us a little bit about this. Like, I find it's, uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, so, uh, Rice Paper is, is is a Canadian literary magazine. Uh, it started in uh, 1995. It was founded by um, uh, Jim Wancho. Uh, Jim Wancho is uh, um, a first-generation immigrant uh, from Hong Kong. Um, the focus is to um, promote Asian Canadians' um, literary work. Uh, it's different from other magazines because uh, for the majority of literary magazines, if, if they want to reject me, they just send me rejection letters. Mm-hmm. But uh, Rice Paper Magazine, they send me um, temporary acceptance letter with a list of suggestions for me to improve my uh, story. So after several rounds of editing, uh, they they published my uh, second short story. She left as if she never came. Uh, yeah, I, I found the process very helpful. Yeah, if, if publishers just send us Rejection letters, that's not helpful at all. But yeah, they sent me suggestions. So so that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> to get feedback. Because yeah. how, how do you get better? Or how do you improve it? Yeah, because then, you know, mm-hmm. so you can get off that wheel of yeah. sending out rejections, sending out rejections. So, okay, how, how can I improve this? Okay. Your story, we have it here. Oh, thank yeah. you. You printed the story. Wow. Yeah, well, I read it and I, I was oh, glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she left as if she never came. Mm-hmm. What was the inspiration for that? You know, like I know it takes place during COVID, mm-hmm. but it, it's, uh, I don't want to say, it's not like heavy. COVID story. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It's a scary story. So how, what was the inspiration for it? It's based on my own experience here in Canada. Okay. Yeah, I had a very difficult start in um, through my um, uh, high school, public high school. I learned that um, the public education system can actually fail vulnerable students. And the public healthcare system can actually fail uh, patients, and the society as a whole can actually fail uh, marginalized groups, and they can like make marginalized groups even more marginalized. So I just want to combine my uh, experience from public healthcare system and my experience from public education system into one story. Okay, it's based on my uh, actual experience, and I I understand that. Um, um, there are issues and problems that are not um, captured by previous publications. So I just want to um, write about the, the unrealized issues and problems. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, that takes this story takes on a whole new meaning now that I know that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Especially for uh, for newcomers. 
I, I found it like very difficult to um, to actually learn something when I came here. Um, yeah, I had um, teachers who accused me of plagiarism, and yeah, and they didn't have evidence. And of, of course, I didn't plagiarize, but yeah. um, there was uh, teachers who were very unprofessional and they abused. Uh, vulnerable students. So yeah, I just want to write stories that reflect the um, the untold stories. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, you've always liked writing. Um, like, did you write as a child, or or uh, what? What inspired you to be a writer? Uh, I, I wrote as a child. Uh, I wrote as a as an elementary school student when I was in China, yeah. and I, I think my my grand my maternal grandparents inspired me to become a writer, because um, I I I listened to my uh, grandparents' stories, and I realized that the stories that they told me were completely different from the stories I learned at a school. And they were completely different from the stories I learned from the textbooks. Uh, so what I learned was that um, history is written by the winner. So um, I, I try to, uh, to write stories that, um, uh, that tell about the unrealized issues and, and to tell about the untold stories. But in China, uh, freedom of speech is strictly um, like um, limited. Yeah. So when I was in China, I, I just wrote um, humorous short stories and I won a writing contest. And then my uh, grandparents encouraged me to be a writer and they always told me that uh, after you grow up, become a writer and tell readers about the, um, the true history. Yeah. So I always had this sense of responsibility. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is cool. So you've mentioned this about mm. wanting to tell the untold stories. Mm. Is it that sounds like that's one of your goals with your writing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not one of my goals. Yeah. Uh, in addition to untold stories, unrealized issues, unrealized problems, I also want to like talk about unrealized beauty. Yeah. Realized aesthetics. So I I, I I write poems about the unrealized beauty. Yeah. Oh, oh. So are you in the, the I can't remember now, Link, are you in the fiction or the nonfiction or the poetry? I mean poetry. I mean the poetry. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, good. And poetry scares me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not that scary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how has the interaction been? between like interaction being with publishers and the selection process of short stories being written by underrepresented groups. Um, it sounds like rice paper. It has been a very good experience. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how have you been finding it with other publishers and are there any, can you, any suggestions you, you might have? Um, I, I, yeah, rice paper uh, uh, was helpful and ribbons uh, was also helpful. Yeah. And yeah, ribbons was the first um, poetry magazine that I, I, I tried. And after I sent them um, a poem and the editor was like, oh, send me 10 poems. 
Yeah, it was like um, in order to increase the the chance of getting accepted. Yeah, send send me ten poems and also um, don't put titles like Tanka doesn't have title. Tanka is a is a form of poetry. It doesn't have title. So, um, I feel like uh, there are some kind publishers, kind editors, uh, in the industry, and they wanted to encourage, um, like um, new writers to um develop. Yeah. Okay. Oh so, yeah, they are very kind editors there, and but most of the time, um, if if they reject me, they just send me rejection letters. And I wish there could be more publishers like ribbons and rice paper. <laughs> yeah, I get those rejection letters too. <laughs> yeah. So in a class discussion, yeah. you, you had mentioned that there are very few Chinese Canadian writers in Canada's literary establishment. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the best way do you feel for raising voices in underrepresented communities? Uh, I think the best way is to understand the root cause um, of the underrepresentativeness. Yeah, I think there are external factors and internal factors. Uh, I think it's much easier to identify external factors compared to internal factors because uh, and uh, I think the the big environment uh, is moving towards inclusion and diversity, and I think that's a that's a good direction. But we still have um, uh, lots of external factors like cultural difference uh, and ignorance. Um, uh, but I, I feel like the big environment uh, is becoming more and more inclusive, and people are. Um, um, it's like it's it's becoming more and more frequent for people to talk about uh, those um, big external factors, uh, but for internal factors, I think uh, those are um, are difficult to to identify. For example, um, I feel lonely in my Chinese community. I I found it like a difficult to uh, explain to people what I'm doing because. Um, um, like there's a culture here of remaining silent and people like to remain silent. Yeah, um, I, I believe there's a traditional Chinese saying, silence is gold. Yeah, so uh, it's it's difficult to um, to explain to people um, my writing goals. And it's, if I interview someone, most of the time they just reject me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's because... Um, uh, freedom of speech is strictly limited um, in China. Like the big environment in China, um, in the big environment in China, I, I don't think people like writing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the internal factors are, are difficult to uh, to deal with. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know I have interviewed one author, mm-hmm. and she was from. She was. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Guyanese Canadian. She's from she was from Guyana. And what yeah, and what she found was that she had submitted her novel to a publisher. Mm-hmm. And the publisher had said to her, 
we already have Middle Eastern author in our program. And she was just kind of stunned by the comment because it was almost like what you can only, you're only going to have one, like you can only have one, like, you know, like, and, and yeah, yeah, you know, so that's where I was wondering if if you've experienced that too, where it's just only having like one person being a represent, almost like having one person being a representative of one minority. Oh, um, I don't think I experienced that because like, most of the time when I receive rejection letters, there's no there's no like detailed explanation about why they rejected me. <laughs> yeah. I I also sense that um there's some kind of political correctness going on in the uh, selection process and also in the um in the um decision making process for for awards. Yeah. So when you look at the list of CBC short story winners. Um, I see um, different representatives from different ethnic groups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I believe um, there's um, uh, the uh, there's political political correctness, and the political correctness is moving towards inclusion and diversity. Yeah. Well, we just came back from mm-hmm. uh, the weekend where our we have two daughters in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Our oldest daughter. She just graduated. She's been working as a nurse for the last year, but they have they had the actual in-person graduation ceremony on the weekend. Oh. And it was, I had made the comment to my husband because we were watching, you know, you watch the grads walk across the stage and all ethnicities. And it was fantastic to mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. And sometimes I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, like lately I've, okay, here, let me read, let me turn this around a bit. Mm-hmm. I've watched everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I enjoyed, have you seen it? Have you seen it, Link? I only saw a very short like clip of the movie, but I, I know that the, the main character, Michelle, and she won it. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, I enjoyed it. It is different. Okay. Um, but to see, for me, it was to see Michelle Yeoh. It was to see the cast, the premise of the story, the idea of, you know, moving to America for the American dream. And she finds she's, you know, she's being, her laundromat is being audited by the IRS. She's not living the American dream. But on the flip side, her character, Evelyn, is depicted as a superhero. Mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis, who's older than me, it made me feel good. See, for me, it's also the age. Mm-hmm. She was depicted as a superhero. And do you think it's going to take more movies mm-hmm. like Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, to start maybe breaking down more doors? Um, yeah, I, I think it would be helpful to to have more movies like this. Uh, and I know there are also other movies like Bling Empire, Crazy Rich Asians. And those movies are 
actually misleading and they're unrealistic because most of um, Asian immigrants are not rich. Yeah. So yeah, so there are different kinds of movies out there. And uh, I believe the most important thing is to identify the root cause of um, underrepresentativeness. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's difficult. And um, yeah, I, I think the most challenging part is to um, to uh, solve the internal issues. Yeah, if if the culture is to, to remain silent, then it's very difficult for outsiders to encourage people to speak up. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm trying my best and I don't think I'm a role model at this point, but I'm still um, trying to improve myself. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. Good. Well, I am so glad you came on my podcast. <laughs> so in one class discussion, mm. you mentioned that you believe it is important for mm. a story to be natural and believable. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could explain that. Okay. Uh, I, I think... Um, it is important for a story to be natural and believable. Um, I think that's how um, writers uh, make stories resonate with readers. Yeah, um, and that's what my previous creative writing instructors always um, said um, during the class. And also um, based on my interactions with editors, um, they always try to identify the uh, the obvious contradictions within my story, and they always said, "Oh, make them believable." Um, yeah, so uh, I think it's important um, uh, for a story to be believable because if if readers can easily identify the contradictions within a story, or or um, obvious contradictions with with reality, they might not be willing to uh, read the story. Uh, so I, I think it's um, um, that's how we make the stories resonate with readers. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I'm trying to mm. to keep almost like a little book mm. of of advice I've received. So, for instance, your advice about being natural and believable. Mm. Uh, I had another. I have to write all of these down. I had another one from my mentor from the writing studio. And it was, she was talking about, uh, she used the weather as an example with some of the crazy weather we've been having. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was saying, so we have no control over this weather. We have no control over if flights get canceled. Mm -hmm. In your story, is your character in control of the situation? Is she losing control of the situation? You know, does she think she has control of the situation? And it was just, they were good questions to ask. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to write them down in a book along with yours about being natural and believable, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I write thriller novels. So sometimes I feel mm -hmm. I don't want to take the story over the top. I want my character to have real reactions. Right. So, okay. So what are you working on now? Uh, I'm working on poetry. So I, I focus on um, poetry um, uh, in the short term. And in the long term, I think I will work on 
uh, stories and memoir, but uh, it's less costly to write poems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, um, I, yeah. Pre one of my previous uh, creative writing instructors told me that there's uh, there's unique poeticism in your writing. So I want to like develop uh, my poeticism um, um, in the early stage of my uh, writing career. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad you took time mm. out of your schedule to come talk to me. Uh, you've worked a full day, right? <laughs> so Ling, anything you'd like to add? Uh, well, thank you very much, Joanna. Uh, for, for this uh, wonderful opportunity. Yeah. Good. Good night, Link. <laughs> Bye.